I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. Yay! This, this, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Starring Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho, the part of thunder and rock and roll. The spell you're under. Has been broken by Chris Jericho, and it's Friday. It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. The remedy for boredom has arrived. Let's go for a ride. Yeah. 
thought I'd kick it into gear with some extra aggressive music. Brides of Fire from the new Fozzie record. Do you want to start a war? I had a guy that came and saw us, I believe it was in Tampa, that was begging us to play that song. He's begging us. He said it was the greatest song ever written. Uh, He loves the tune. Glad you enjoyed it. Glad you enjoyed the record and glad you are enjoying this show. After the huge episode 100 with Paul Stanley. What a great show that was. If you haven't listened to it, go back and check it out now. Whether you like Kiss or if you don't even know Kiss, which is impossible. Paul Stanley, my hero, went and tracked him down, got him on episode 100. And it was one of the best interviews. People have been commenting. They've been saying this is uh, the best Paul Stanley interview they've ever heard. I'm going to go on to the Twitter. People sent this uh, at I am Jericho. People saying uh, like at the real T Davis being a Kiss Online fan, that was the best Paul Stanley interview I've ever listened to. Thank you, Paul, and I am Jericho. Well, thanks to you. And at Hard Rock Dad says, best Kiss Paul Stanley interview ever, maybe. Well, I sure as heck think so. Thanks to all of you who checked out the amazing Paul Stanley interview. And I'm keeping it rolling. I got Ryback, the big guy, is back in the WWE right now. Battled through some tough injuries, but he's healthy now and he's back with a vengeance. I sat down with him in Detroit Rock City last Monday before Raw, where I was the general manager. Had a great time. Uh, on Raw as the general manager, or, or sorry, I said I was general manager in the first segment, and then I was reprimanded and told I'm not the general manager, I'm running Raw. So I had a good time running Raw on Monday. Lots of work to do. I had four segments in the first two hours, um, including a long opening promo, which are always a challenge, but I got to work with Paul Heyman and Seth Rollins and John Cena, three of my favorites to work with, especially uh, always fun to verbally joust with Heyman. We came up with the idea for the, the fact that he owed me $200, uh, I am the walrus, goo goo Jube was nice. There's a lot of musical references. I am the walrus, goo goo Jube for Paul Heyman. Then there was a Detroit Rock City at the beginning. Obviously, that's Kiss. There was a Scaramouche, Scaramouche, can you do the Fandango? That was uh, Queen. Then there was a dance all over your face. I told Fandango was in a dance all over his face. That is also uh, Kiss. So there was quite a few uh, of those. Uh, there was Clairvoyant. I used the word Clairvoyant. That was a little maiden homage. So, oh! Always fun to throw little uh, clues and little um, shout-outs to the people that get those when I'm in the ring. And had a great time with Paul putting together the match. I think my favorite segment of the show is with Rusev and Lana, though. They're a great act. I love that act. She does an amazing job. And we basically put that all together. I mean, we worked on it earlier in the day, but didn't really have a lot of time to go over it. And um, I just made up a lot of it in the ring, which is always one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, the uh, Rusev and Lana sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. When I said she looked like she had a pineapple on her, on her head. Uh, when I said um, that you're not supposed to wear the same outfit twice in a row if you're a girl. All that stuff was just made up on the spot, and she went with it uh, like a pro. Great, great future for Lana and Rusev. Like I said, an amazing act. And that was a lot of fun to get out there. And it's always nice to have a female foil to uh, to shoot on, to insult. The U.S. champ and the communist tramp was uh, my favorite, actually. <laughs> uh, people are like, that's so juvenile. It's fifth grade humor. What's wrong with you? Well, that's, uh, that's, that's what Jericho does when he's insulting. And I like it when people go to a nice outfit, nice scarf. What are you trying to do? You're trying to look young? It's like, I'm not trying to look young. That's just how I dress, man. You know, I'm Y2J. I dress like that. And you know why it's cool? 
because I'm wearing it. That's why. Yeah, boy. That's a Paul Stanley answer if I ever heard one right there for sure. And then, of course, the uh, the match, quote-unquote, with Paul Heyman, which led to the uh, annihilation by Brock Lesnar. People going, well, why, 2 Jay? You're coming back and jobbing out. What's wrong with you? It's called putting over somebody. It's called uh, taking one for the team. I'm not going to be around on... Uh, on a lot of shows upcoming, Brock Lesnar will be so good for him. That's uh, that's the way you you make somebody. He's the champion. He's in the main event of the next pay per view. And let's face it, probably going to be in the main event of WrestleMania as well. So let's uh, give him some of his due and put the guy over. Come on, guys. That's not jobbing out. That's called good business. And speaking of good business, I wanted to get Ryback on my show for a while. And now with all the controversy that stemmed over him uh, from the last few weeks, I decided it was the perfect time to sit down with him in Detroit Rock City. And he's got quite the story to tell, being fired from developmental a few times, getting a, a second chance and a third chance, finally making it through um, up into the major league until suffering such a severe injury that doctors told him he'd never wrestle again and boy did he prove them wrong plus we'll talk about the comments that CM Punk made about him recently and Ryback will defend those comments and give his point of view all of that coming up but first I gotta say thanks to my great sponsors who let me do this show for you for free for twice a week and a big thank you to all of you the Jerichoholics for supporting my sponsors without you and them I would not be able to do this and that includes Amazon every time you use one of my Amazon links Amazon kicks back a couple bucks to the show so you can uh every time you use one of the amazon links amazon kicks back a couple bucks to the show to help us cover cover production costs i got links for amazon usa amazon uk amazon canada a just go to podcast1.com click on the keep our podcast free banner at the top of the page then hit the talk is jericho button you can buy anything you want i mean christmas is coming up people are asking for all sorts of things paul stanley's book face the music you got to check that one it's amazing i'm reading billy idol's book right now uh dancing with myself that'd be cool to uh to buy that and be cool if i get billy idol on this show i'll tell you what or how about my new book the best in the world at what i have no idea the third bestseller uh new york times bestseller that i've written and a lot of people are saying it's their favorite check it out or you can buy do you want to start a war the new Fozzie record you can buy the new kiss record monster so many things you can get take care of all your entire holiday shopping at amazon you can buy anything but hey the truth about using my links Buy whatever you want. Won't cost you anything extra. That's the truth. No hidden fees or extra challenges. So if you happen to be doing some Amazon shopping, you can help out this show in the process. Just go to podcast1.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcast free banner at the top of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. Bookmark it so you can get to those links in one easy click. All right. Cinderblock Party World Tour continues in 2015 with the Dirty Youth that starts March 4th in Belfast, Ireland. Then we're going to Cork and Dublin. And then we're heading to Nottingham, Wolverhampton, Manchester, Glasgow, London, Bristol, Exeter, Southampton, Brighton, all across the UK and Ireland. Then heading over across the pond to Paris, uh, Pratain, Switzerland, Munich, Mannheim, Bochum, Germany. So many great shows coming up. If you want to know information, you want to find tickets, you want to get VIP, we have one of the best VIP packages you can get. That's at fozzyrock.com. You want to go check that out right now. And as I announced yesterday, I am getting ready to uh, do the Y2J Winter Tour with the WWE. Select dates only January 10th, Montgomery, January 11th, Mobile, Alabama, uh, January 16th, St. Louis, 17th, Las Vegas, 
18th Houston, 23rd in Trenton, New Jersey, 24th East Rutherford, New Jersey, January 31st Edmonton, February 1st Calgary, Alberta, February 7th Jacksonville, Florida, 8th is Canton, Ohio, 14th Tampa, 15th Fort Myers, 27th of February, Madison Square Garden. February 28th is Toronto. March 1st, Buffalo. Those are the dates of the Y2J WWE Winter Tour. And those are the only dates. So please do not ask me, are you coming to Scranton? Are you coming to Sheboygan? Are you coming to uh, Des Moines? No, the answer is I won't be coming to any of those cities. I'm only doing those select dates. And they're all non-televised. There's no Raw. There's no SmackDown. There's no pay-per-views. They're just the live events. I'm like the anti-Brock Lesnar. I just work the shows that aren't televised. (laughs) But I'm doing it basically for two reasons. One, because I always enjoy it. I have fun. That's the first reason. Second reason is for all of you. Hopefully some of you are in that area. You can come check out Y2J on the Winter WWE World Tour. Uh, I guess it's not the World Tour. I guess it kind of is. Canada and the United States. Let's say the Y2J WWE Winter North American Tour. So uh, come check it out. You can find out all that information on WWE.com. Maybe I'll get a chance to to work with Ryback again. I always liked working with him. Always had fun. He's next. But first, I want to talk a little bit about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, We we went in-depth about this last year when Kiss was finally invited and inducted. Um, this year, we have the, uh, the actual nominees and we have the actual inductees. So, Green Day is going in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, entering their first year of eligibility. Hey, listen, I'm a Green Day fan. I get it. You know, they've always been kind of a, a Rolling Stone critic starling, but I, I do feel it's a little bit earlier, early for them. They're not as monumental as Nirvana was or Guns N' Roses. And going in on their first year of eligibility when it took Sabbath and Kiss, I don't know, 20 years, 15 years to get in, Deep Purple is still not in. No Cheap Trick. I mean, no Bon Jovi, no Motley Crue, no Ted Nugent, no Iron Maiden, no Judas Priest, no Journey. I mean, there's so many bands that have been omitted. So Green Day to go in first bout. It's a little bit cheeky on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's uh, account, but that's not surprising. They're always kind of like that. Uh, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, I called this last year. When Joan showed up and played with Nirvana, replacing Kurt Cobain um, for their induction, I knew that it was only a matter of time before they were getting in. And, you know, good for her. Joan Jett deserves to be in. I'll go with that a thousand percent. I agree. Bill Withers, Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone. That's a classic hit. Um, You know, they like to induct those guys, so I'm not going to say he shouldn't be in there. Lou Reed, inducted 96 with Velvet Underground. That's a pretty legendary guy, so I'd go with him. Stevie Ray Vaughan in Double Trouble, absolutely. That's that's my favorite inductee this year. I'll be excited to see that. And that should be a great jam to see who shows up to play Stevie Ray Vaughan tunes. So influential as a blues guitar player. One of the greatest blues men of all time. Paul Butterfield Blues Band, that's another kind of a of a mainstay band you hear a lot about. I couldn't name one song by them. The Five Royals, Early Influence Award. And finally, Ringo Starr goes in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as, as a solo artist. It says award for musical excellence, uh, but I asked Paul Stanley, he said Ringo's going in as an individual. So long overdue. John, 
George and Paul are all in as solo artists. I know people like to take the piss out of Ringo and cut him down, but let's be honest, the most famous drummer in rock history needs to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Plus, as a solo artist, he has six top ten hits on his own. A lot of people don't know that. He's not just going in because he's the drummer from the Beatles. As a solo artist, he has had a lot of hits on his own. He tours every summer with the Ringo Starr All-Star Band. Thankfully, Ringo is another guy that was on my list forever uh, of a guy that should be in there and I'm glad that he's in there congratulations to Ringo the ceremony takes place April 18th at 2015 the gen- general public will be allowed to attend I know because I was there last year seeing Kiss yelling and screaming for my boy Paul Stanley love Paul Stanley my, my 100th guest uh, on talk is Jericho and he is in the Rock and Hall of Fame deservedly so hopefully next year please Deep Purple please Iron Maiden but this year I'm going to I'm gonna hang my hat on Stevie Ray Vaughan and Ringo Starr excited about that and Joan Jett as well now let's go over this though uh, over the next few years there's going to be a lot of artists that become eligible to join the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the, uh, the criteria is you have to be 25 years after the release of his or her debut record but they also have must have demonstrated some contribution to the development and perpetuation of rock and roll, uh, longevity, um, you know, uh, ticket sales, all that sort of stuff. So let's take a look at some of the artists who will become eligible for induction over the next five years. Uh, Mariah Carey, 2015, uh, you know, don't even really even want to even discuss that. I don't think she deserves to be in there at all. Not rock and roll and not even Madonna. Madonna is rock and roll. But, you know, Mariah Carey, she sold like 200 million albums. She'll probably get in. She's had more number one songs than any other solo artist. So numbers-wise, I guess she deserves to be in there. But as a rock and roll Hall of Fame, absolutely not. But we know that doesn't matter. Uh, Wu-Tang Clan, eh, whatever. Hole, definitely not. Please don't put a hole in there. Sheryl Crow, I can see Sheryl getting in. She's pretty... uh, Pretty famous, got lots of uh, crazy good tunes, and um, definitely not a lot of drama with her. So we should think maybe Cheryl will probably end up in there. Uh, Jeff Buckley is a guy that could be up for it, and not a lot of people know Jeff, but he has that street cred through Rolling Stone, which tells me he might get in. Oasis, I don't know if they have the longevity. You know, I'm not sure if, if they if they could get that back. Definitely not big enough. I'm reading this off a Rolling Stone article, so Radiohead, not big enough. But I'm sure there's people that will go, Radiohead should be in there. But my point is, if Deep Purple's not in there, no freaking way Beck and, uh, and, and Radiohead should be in there, in my opinion. All right, the Notorious B.I.G. Um, I know the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame likes having hip-hop guys in there. And he's got a lot of street cred, you know. Um, but I, I don't think there would be much of an issue if he went in. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of one of those guys that probably will end up in there. Weezer. I don't know if Weezer really is a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame caliber band. You know, um, but once again, they have a lot of cred with uh, with Rolling Stone. So I would say they'll probably be a candidate at some point. Dave Matthews Band will probably go in. I mean, their numbers alone are huge as a draw. Longevity. Dr. Dre as a pioneer should be in there. I think Rage Against the Machine should be in there as a, as a pioneering act as well. They did something no one had ever done before. Plus, they're darlings of Jan Wenner and Rolling Stone magazine. So I would definitely have not an issue if they went in there. But once again, I'm saying this all with a grain of salt. All these guys could be in there, but 
man, we need to get some of our guys in there too. Some more rock guys, Ted Nugent. And like I said, the list goes on and on. Cheap Trick, Bon Jovi, Motley Crue, uh, Journey, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. I mean, Ozzy is a solo artist. So many of those type of guys that need to go in there before we're talking about, you know, Mary J. Blige going in there, Blur. Pearl Jam, there'll be a first, uh, a first ballot What's the word I'm looking for? Inductee. And they should be. I mean, it's Pearl Jam. I've got no problems with them being in there right away. Smashing Pumpkins. I don't think Pumpkins have the longevity, but they definitely have the uh, the street cred, you know? So it's possible. But once again, if they get invited, who shows up? Is it just maybe just Billy Corgan could get invited because there's really not much of a band at this point. Um, so a lot of debates about who should be in the Rock and Roll Fame, but my thing is Deep Purple for sure needs to be in before we even talk about this any further. At least Ringo Starr is in. Before that, my triumphant was Kiss, Rush, Deep Purple. Rush and Kiss are in. Ringo is in. Now let's get Deep Purple in there and let's get the other amazing rock and roll band from America. Cheap Trick needs to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as well. I'm going to get off my soapbox, leave it up to my buddy Eddie Trunk. He can flip up, I'll flip out on that. Uh, I'm not uh, as concerned. I am excited about all the guys that are getting in this year. I'm excited to have Ryback, the big guy, is on. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW and not all of them speak English which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Hey, amigas. See? Already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. Talk is talk is talk is Jericho. All right, we're backstage here at the famous Joe Louis Arena. There's a Joe Louis Arena. Joe Louis. Joe Louis. <laughs> Joe Louis, if you're from Canada, and I'm with the big guy Ryback. Is uh, and, and and you're literally back, man, which is cool because when I was here in the summertime, you had to leave because you had it was a, you had like a groin injury. Yeah, no, uh, it's uh, I'm very thankful to be back where I am now. The January of last year, I actually uh, strained a growing uh, in Canada um, in one of the matches, and uh, you just keep going. You know, we go five days a week, and mm-hmm. uh, if I would have given it probably a couple of weeks, it would have been fine, and uh, it was one of those things, just kept going, kept going, and then uh, about four months later, my right side just went out in the ring randomly. Um, I think I actually slipped on one of the Stardust or Gold Dust paint <laughs> in like, my right side, and I'd just been overcompensating, and then... Uh, 
at that point, then you start straining your your ab muscles when you're mm. growing. Both your groins are like that. And then my right ab ripped off. And then wow. over in Europe wrestling, uh, it was me, uh, Curtis Axel, and Orton wrestling The Shield every night. And uh, Roman Reigns actually gave me a Samoan drop. And my, my right ab, just I felt it just rip off. And uh, I got, next morning couldn't get out of bed. And that was the beginning of the tour. And um, wow. I ended up going about three and a half, four more months. And then finally my left ab tore off. And we were in Vegas. And uh, I actually got a great reception there. It was my I last remember show that, I yeah. And uh, I wasn't supposed to do anything that night. I'd got an MRI and they said, both your abs are ripped off. you got to get this fixed. And uh, we'd already advertised the match. And it was like, oh, don't worry. You don't have to don't, don't get in the ring tonight. And uh and then the crowd was uh, the way they were, and Orton just looked at me. He's like, you got to get in the ring, big man. And, <laughs> yeah, because uh, they're all chatting, right back. Yeah. Because they knew you were from there, yeah. or they just liked your vibes. Because we'd been there a few times before, uh, you know, as when I go on the route that I was at the time, and uh, they hadn't been that good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, they'd actually boo me, and then it was just a complete 180. <laughs> and and uh, it was just an anomaly. I think right? that kind of triggered the whole coming back and uh, – and the way we did, and uh, mm-hmm. so thank you, Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then after that, you had to go away for a while. Yeah, I was gone so, about ten weeks. So, so you, so one groin was pulled, then yeah. the other, then one ab yeah. was torn in the other. Yeah, that's amazing, man. And uh, no, like, so but what, that's were you, like, what were you doing? Like, what was your plan? Just, I'll just keep going. And- I well, at that point, I was just like, uh, you know, me and I didn't want to let Curtis Axel down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you get in the road, you you stay booked, and you want to be consistent with that. And uh, I think wrestlers take pride in kind of showing up every day, and uh, yeah. And that was something that, like, I was able to still go work out, and I was in a lot of pain, and um, it w- it wasn't easy, but it was one of those things, like, I, I, f- I take a lot of pride in not missing time, because mm-hmm. I was out so long with that injury of the year and a half, mm-hmm. with the ankle injury, and I, I'd gone about three years before having had anything take me out, and uh, it was just one of those deals I had to take a couple months and get fixed. So. Get fixed up, yeah. yeah. I always say that, like, you know, if you're talking about, like, a football team or a, excuse me, a hockey team or something, they have the DL list. And that's guys that are injured that take a game off or a week off. Yeah. I bet you if you went through our roster, our locker room, probably 10, 15, 20% of the guys would be on any other pro sports DL yeah. list. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Absolutely. It's, it's amazing when you see this, the environment that it's, uh, this isn't for everybody. And that's mm-hmm. where I think the love and the passion comes in. And you take pride going out there each and every night. And like I always said, like live event, TV, pay-per-view, treat them all the same. That's right. So. You have to exactly, and, that, and that's how you get to where you get. Now you've always had a real—I'm uh, not—if it's not the passion is a word, but it's a real drive, a real look in your eye. That you're yeah. very, you're very serious about what you do. Yeah. And I noticed that from the first time you ever came in here when we did the NXT for the first time. Uh, is this something you've, you've always wanted to do? Did you have other things that you wanted to do as well? Or no, I I started watching wrestling when I was five years old, and mm-hmm. I, my first memory was Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I just remember the yellow uh, yellow tights and the black singlet. And uh, and then around to like 10, 11, I really just fell in love with it. And uh, I was a guest bell ringer in Vegas at the Thomas and Max Center and got to... For what? What does that mean? What do you mean? Uh, I, was, I, won, I won 20-something tickets on all the radio stations when they came to town. It was like the first live event they'd had there in years. Oh, and, really? Uh, and I, at that point, like Razor Ramon was my guy. and. Uh-huh. Uh, but I knew everything, and they had all the like the they had a news contest. I wrote a letter why I should be the one to win the front row tickets and to get to be uh, meet a wrestler backstage and be the guest bell ringer. And the uh, news people said my letter blew away. Really? Uh, they said we felt your passion through your letter. <laughs> my mom still has it. How old were you? Uh, twelve years old. Oh, that's and, great. And uh, 
and that was the moment I always, I knew I wanted. Like I was sitting front row, and I remember I thought the ring was way smaller. Then I go, that ring's not the size that it is on TV. <laughs> right. And the guy goes and checks, obviously, and he's like, no, this is twenty by twenty. I go, no, no, it's not right. And uh, but it was that that was the uh, night that I decided I wanted to. Be so what was your job uh, as the guest bell ringer? What did that I had to, they, they tell you into the ring, and they was like a they were like debating whether to let, to let me in the ring or not because mm-hmm. they go, it might be too dangerous. We'll let them on the apron. Mm-hmm. So I get on the apron. I got my world tour de force hat on. <laughs> My Razor Ramon shirt and necklace and my little jumpsuit and athletic shoes. And I, they're waving at the crowd. Everyone's cheering for me. And uh, they gave me, I still have it at home to this day, a WWF bell um, uh, hammer. Oh, like for the, the bell, yeah, ring the bell. Which I've never, here what, we don't do even you, have. What do you ring? What was it? What do you it ring the bell a, with? It was a little hammer with the oh. WWF logo on it, which I've never seen. No kidding, when never. I was in developmental, I, we used it at Deep South Wrestling, actually. <laughs> and I got it back because I'd left it there when I got transferred to OVW and uh it's why I got it sitting on my mantle at home, and um, it was uh, the Body Donnas versus uh, Barry Horwitz and somebody else, and Dr. Tom Pritchard and Chris mm-hmm. Candido, in which Dr. Tom was the most inter- uh, instrumental trainer I've ever had right. in my career, and really Full helped circle. me a lot. Yeah, and so but I was here. I am at 12 years old, you know, ringing the bell for him in the opening match, and. So got, obviously they didn't tell you that it was that you know that there was a show business thing. So what do they just when, when the referee points at you, you ring the bell? Yeah, or? they just they look at me, then ring the bell. And I sat there on, uh, inside inside uh, right by the ring there, and uh, I remember someone who was either Candido or uh, Doctor Tom got punched and they spit and it landed on my pants. <laughs> oh my god, this is so cool! And so and that was uh, to this day that was the night though that I knew. Yeah, did the body donors win? Uh, I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah, I don't think Barry Horowitz ever. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just envisioning. So, so I, I'm just kind of uh, intrigued by this. Did they have anybody like an official sitting beside you? Like, yeah, wh- there were there were two other people. That I, whoever and I can't remember at the time, but whoever was like a probably, Mark Yeaton type or something. Yeah, yeah. Whoever was ringing the bell for regularly. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and there I am. And then I I brought all my best friends. I literally brought like 15 kids and um. I interchanged every match with my friends. Uh-huh. I sat in the front row the whole night, and then they uh, three seats that we had. They switched out, and uh, it was a great experience. Well, that's, but that's when you said, "I want to do this." Yeah, for, that's for, my first physically getting to see it and remember it. Yeah, and, and I just, and, you know, it was funny. Like Kane was on the show at the time. Uh, uh, as Dr. Isaac Yank, and I give him a little bit of uh, trouble over that at times. And uh, <laughs> he just worked with them last night. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, Goldust was on it, and it, I remember Bret Hart and Diesel was the main event in the old mm. blue steel cage. Mm-hmm. So it, I mean, it was. Were you were you always a big guy? As a kid, I was actually I started working out at 12 years old, like push ups, okay. squats, and all that. And I always had a peak in my bicep and like a little hole in my forearm. And kids <laughs> in school would always like ask me to flex, and I was always like the fastest kid in the neighborhood in school growing up as a kid, and. Uh, I love sports, and whether it was hockey season, we played hockey, roller hockey in the streets, Mm -hmm. and basketball, football, and uh, I'm really glad that having that background as a kid and being athletic, and it really helped me making the transfer over to WWE as I got older. There's also a discipline thing, too. You know what I mean? Like when you're training and and, and just the concept of being in the gym, because I think I started working out when maybe I was 16 or 17, but just then it's like, okay, every day after school, before you do homework, I got to go do my Arnold Schwarzenegger. Remember that easy curl bar? Oh, I had one of those in my bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) You put it around your neck, and it had a bar with a little divot in it. You put your arms in there. That was supposed to make your arms bigger. Yeah. I I have memories of being, I remember my first job was, 
was at Toys R Us and they put me up in the attic. I was in high school. Uh-huh. And uh, they're like, I was pretty big uh, at that time. And they're like, oh, you can carry all the big ticket items for Christmas. <laughs> and I remember, though, I had no idea about nutrition at the time. And I'd come home and I'd have like a big bag of Skittles and candy bars and sodas, but I'd be in my room. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. and why isn't this working? And, oh, <laughs> yeah. it's because I'm eating all this junk. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, too. Like, um, I don't know how it is now because, I mean, I, I don't know how the kids get into bodybuilding nowadays, but when I was a kid, it was the magazines, the Weeder yeah. magazines. Yeah. And you'd always go through, even though it was like, I don't know. 88, 89, it was still all about Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And you'd read like Arnold's body blasting bicep blowout <laughs> workout. And like, I don't know if he ever did this. I don't know if he had anything to do with it, yeah. but you'd go home and try and do this exact workout verbatim. Yep. And it would take like two hours. Yeah. Like the worst ever. It would kill you. Arnold was in the gym. Like, he worked out for hours on end. He did, uh, yeah. Like, and I don't know if he was talking too during that period and, and socializing. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. He, he likes Picking to talk up chicks, yeah. yeah. Uh, He's the man, though. I told you that before. Like, yeah, yeah. I read his, his book, and he's just one of the most inspirational you know, yeah. people I think I've ever witnessed. He came from nothing and made himself who he is, and it's just a tremendous story. I mean, for me, I love it, too, because obviously being a wrestler and being a rock and roll band, people get mad at both of those. Oh, you can't do this because you're that. You can't do that because yeah. you're this. But I remember reading his book when he told people, like, I'm going to be the biggest bodybuilder in the yeah. world, and the biggest movie star in the world, and like, you know, yep. some little crappy little town in Austria, and went and did it. Yeah. You know, that's a pretty inspiring thing. Yeah. And I read that like just a year ago, and it's like it gave me extra yep. uh, inspiration, you know? I'm the same. And it's like what I've always had very big goals for myself and uh and i have at home i have all my vision boards and goals on them and so many of them have come true and some of them haven't right away but i don't i don't forget them and things don't happen overnight and now how do you mean vision boards and goals what what is that so uh, i'm a big believer in like the law of attraction and positivity and mm-hmm. uh there's As a book I. called the secret okay, by Rhonda yeah. Byrne. when i was released from wwe uh Festus at the time, Luke Gallows. Mm-hmm. I was working at Smoky Bones in Louisville, Kentucky, which is, I got released from OVW and was, wow. uh, I I was ashamed to move back home to Vegas because I got I got fired randomly out of nowhere in developmental. Nobody saw it coming. At that point in my life, I saw it coming though, so I wasn't shocked. Why but is I, that? I was just in a very negative mindset. Uh, I came in through Deep South Wrestling with Bill DeMott, mm-hmm. who is... Uh, to this day, he's he's the trainer down there at NXT. Yes, he was very hard on me, and there were eight hour days. And because you're probably a big muscled guy, yeah. But he was always very he was great to me outside of it, uh, mm-hmm. and he pushed me because he I was always very hard on myself too. I want to be the best, mm-hmm. and I'm obsessed with this. And uh, the results didn't come right away, and uh, I was new to all of it. And but he he pushed me and he pushed me and he pushed me. At that time, I wasn't quite. Now it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me because sure. I am who I am because of how he trained me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was at the time, though, I couldn't take that negative reinforcement. And I wasn't in a, at the level of, of turning that around into a positive, and it just ate away at me. And I carried that over to OVW when I went over there, and eventually I just got released. Mm-hmm. And it was my mindset. I was, I was very negative. Gotcha. And uh, so I'm working at this restaurant, and I'm, at, I'm, I'm drinking every day, full-blown for a year straight, full-blown, just heavy drinking, going to work, working out. That was my life. Going back to my little apartment, watching re- the WrestleMania DVDs, mm-hmm. uh, and just drinking. And uh, I did that for a year, and I was just, I was really depressed because I wanted to be back here. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, I didn't understand why all that had happened to me, and uh, I was ashamed to move home. I didn't talk to my parents for almost a year. Wow. Like, because you felt so bad that you didn't make, I, make it. Or? I'd set out to go do this thing, right. and I failed at that time. And it was like this is when you were first signed, went yeah. to Deep South, and got and got. Uh, I was like twenty four at the time, gotcha. twenty five. I got released, and uh, it was, I mean, it was it was a tough time, and uh, 
I was, uh, I didn't talk to anybody and I just, I, Luke Gallows comes into Smokey Bones and he, and he, he left me a $30 tip and he, he goes, I, he was at the time working with Taker up mm, here. Wow. He was part of uh, the Jesse and Festus thing and he was getting a little bit of a run there. And, uh, he goes, I've, he goes, you don't deserve this. He goes, you're one of the best guys I know and mm-hmm. you've always worked hard. And he goes, I hate seeing you like this. Go buy this book, The Secret, at the bookstore across the street. Here's 30 bucks. After work, I went and bought it, read it that night, the whole thing. And uh, there's a DVD. I ordered the DVD. I watched the DVD every night for like six months mm. just to, because it was, I was like, I'm so negative right now. And it turned my life around almost mm. instantaneous. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went back to OVW, uh, developed the Ryback Terminator character at the time. And Danny Davis down there at OVW was, didn't charge me to come back. At that point, WWE had already pulled out at that point and moved down to Florida. And he uh, he says, you didn't get a fair shake the first time around. And I mm. want to help you out. And he saw something in me that maybe I didn't even see at the time. And uh, and he helped me out and got me back. And I got resigned eventually. So. You know, it's it's amazing, man. And, and I've said this all the time. Um, I even just had Paul Stanley on the show a few, a few days ago. And he said this quote. You mentioned how Arnold... And you got to tell this great Arnold story later oh, on. Yeah. But you mentioned Arnold kind of inspired you. For me, it was Paul Stanley because he had this one line, and all my fans know what it is. The only people that tell you you can't do something are the ones that have failed. Yeah. The ones that have failed in their own dreams. Yep. If you want to do something, go do yeah. it. And don't listen to the negativity. And I learned that a long time ago, and I don't associate with negative people. Yeah. And it's amazing how, how great your life can be when you always see the positive side yeah. of things. And it's also amazing how many people only see the negative yeah and it's just it's especially here in the wrestling business right. you know with social media and you know 20 people might for every 20 people that love you you know there's that one that yeah. that, that won't hates you and that's doesn't right want you to retire and you don't belong here and <laughs> yeah you're worthless of this and that so it's just it, it's the the state that we're in a, in a, just as in the world in general mm-hmm. and I, I just you know i think we, we got just got to be conscious of how we think and there's a positive to every situation sure so 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 you said that was what led you to do a vision board and goals you would you write them down on a piece of paper on a my, board my house at home i have i have a, a meditation and massage room in there where i <laughs> got my massage table my inversion chair and and, and uh table and i got all these vision boards and I have all my goals like possession wise what I want for my WWE career what I want for my life what I want I have uh, my 15 reasons why I live my life hmm. uh, and it's that's like a Tony Robbins thing and mm-hmm. I just every week when I'm home I, I go in that room I just kind of glance over everything to remind myself why I'm doing what I'm doing yeah. and right by my door when I leave every year I do my last year I did my like 13 goals for 2013 and I hit 10 of them wow. and they were if you would have yeah. saw some of these, people would be like, You're, you are legitimately crazy. Yeah. And I and I still I saved that board. I was like, wow, hmm. I can do – if I put my mind to it. And so that's this incredible. year I did uh, I 13. I go, that's a lot of goals. I got to maybe start narrowing it down a little. Uh, so this year I did a little bit less, but uh, – it's uh, I've already hit a few of them, and uh, and if I don't, I'll continue them on to next year. Sure, but I got it by my door to remind me when I leave every week on the road. This is what I'm going for for WWE. This is this is why I'm going out to do what I'm doing to to reach these goals. And that's what I was talking about earlier. And you've always had that intensity. That's the word I was looking for. The intensity, you you've, you've had that, and and you've been through a lot because, like you mentioned, you started, you get fired, yeah. you come back, uh, do the NXT the invasion, yeah, which. In my opinion, it's still one of the greatest angles of all oh, time. I'll never forget that. Like so amazing. So, yeah. so tell us a little bit. Like how how was that pitched to you guys? Did, yeah. did you find out that day, or did you know like a week before? Or? Yeah. Well, at that at that point, if 
being Skip Sheffield, which was uh, that's right. That was which, a whole thank other you thing. for. I remember your second book. Your heart uh, skipped like Sheffield. I think was the reference. <laughs> which at that point I was really honored. That, that was I mean, a big was, push for you at the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, Skip Sheffield was like, like a cowboy gimmick. And what was your your? That, your yep, yep, yep. yep oh, oh man, it's uh, <laughs> well. That, I, I remember when NXT started. That all you guys came, and yeah. it's like. You know, it, it, it didn't really know, but I've heard, and I see all these guys like that guy. You, know, you, see, you see, I see Wade. He looks great. He looked great. And yeah. like, his name is Skiff Sheffield, but he's a cowboy who's going yip yeah, from College Station, te- uh, Texas. Like the most miscast character. Exactly, of all time. it's a miscast. Like, exactly. Vince actually pulled me aside after like week two of that, and I, my heart was in it. I, that was I had a lot of fun doing that, and mm. I got to go out there and just be, be. Is that why you did it just for fun to be having well, a fun character? Developmental Dusty Roads. Actually, I was Ryback okay. and uh, doing kind of you know what I'm doing and. Uh, He's like, I, I, you're such a funny guy. I want to, I want you to be like one of these football players we signed that has no clue about what we're doing in wrestling and just big dumb, corn-fed meathead. <laughs> and I was like, I was offended. I went home, you know, screw this. I'm <laughs> yeah. not. And then of course, I was the next day. I'm Mister Positive. I was like, no, I'm going to embrace this. And I was like, but I'm going to kind of. I came up with this wild character. No, no, quickly. Can you do a, a, a Dusty Rhodes telling this? Because everybody on the show over the last few months seems to have done a Dusty Rhodes. Really? Uh, I don't know how good I'm not. Uh, Let's well, just try one. So, so, now, baby, you are this serious, intense character, and I want you to, I want you to be one of these football players, baby. <laughs> just, I want you to be like a dumb corn-fed meathead. And just, I want you to come. I don't want you to have any clue about wrestling. You're just a happy-go-lucky taxing, baby. <laughs> That's along great. The line. That's great. And I'm, uh, <laughs> and then I was just like, oh god. And but so then I you came, throw yourself into it. Yeah, then. and I did my first promo down in uh, FCW at the time, and I put butter spray all on me. I had these tight cowboy jeans on and these brown shoes boots and uh the whole class round of applause stood up and nice. i was like we were running with it and it got really really popular down there in uh, fcw and it got me called up to the main roster so i'm thankful because like, sure the whole deal is get out of developmental get to the main roster right. and you start over yeah essentially and uh yeah, no, Vince, nobody's character from developmental really makes it up yeah. to the main show really. the main goal is just get out of there yeah. and get up here and be seen get seen by the right eyes yeah. and uh and Vince pulled me aside after like week two or three, and like my heart was really set on this at the time because it got me up here. And uh, he's like, "This isn't you." He's like, "You're going to make me millions of dollars being yourself." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Okay." He goes, "Don't do it overnight, but let's get away from this." Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, "Oh man!" Like, <laughs> I mean, that's a great sure for, for the boss to tell you that, but like, what am I going to do now? Because I've already <laughs> been just came on TV the last two weeks, and so we tried to like get away from it then you know the nexus was the greatest thing ever because it allowed me just to be more me and be intense and be serious and right so how did they tell you about the invasion it was they, in miami right yeah, yeah and they brought us in vince that and, day that day and uh, we none of us knew what we were doing if you know what our careers what lied ahead and uh you got one shot at this if you screw up you're fired essentially wow it was very intense and uh we all left that 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 room like all on the same page, mm. all of us, and we all—if we had our differences, we were all—they were gone. We're gone. Yeah. So, and what did he explain to you? It was we. It was just go out there and cause chaos, and it, we didn't know that, that the crowd was going to react like that, and mm. that the environment was going to be the tone that it was, and it was just. I just—I remember. I just—that's all I remember is you have one chance at this. Don't screw it up, or you're fired. That is what just in my head. Whether he said it or not, that's yeah. the vibe that you got. Yeah, and that's yeah. all I remember. And it was just go out there and destroy. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was, oh, it was, it's a memory I'll never forget as far as just and looking out there and seeing the shock on people's faces. And It was one of the coolest things, being in the business yeah. at that point for, I don't know, 20 years. I think that was 2010 yeah. maybe. 
remember when Barrett came down, it was like, oh, what's going on? And then the, I knew it was happening as soon as I saw Tarver with that half mask that on. That set the tone, I think, for the that whole That set night. the tone. I was yeah. like, I get it. I've seen two guys. I yeah. guarantee if you would have stopped time, I would have said, I bet a million dollars that seven of them are coming. It's you funny. Know? I remember you actually pulling us aside uh, one of those nights after. I can't remember exactly. After when. a house show. I remember the arena, though, still. Whenever we go, I go, that's the arena, Chris. Mm-hmm. You go, you guys have to cherish this. You might not ever get this chance ever again mm-hmm. uh, working at this level. And at the time, you don't because you get right. brought in and. You don't now after being here, you see how valuable it is, and you have to working in those main events is a very valuable thing. And like, it's, well, I, I wanted to get that across to you guys because yeah. you know you have seven guys, and it's not really rookies, but I mean rookies to the yeah. system here. And this is not an entitlement. You know, this is not something that is going to last forever. Yeah. For some, I remember specifically, some of you guys will be in the main events. Yep. Some of you guys will go to first or second match. Some of you guys will be yeah. gone. And some of them have. And here never we are now. Back, and some of them are gone. And you and Wade and Daniel are still here. Yeah. Justin is still here, but he's kind of in and out of the, yes. of the main show. He's still trying to get back. Yeah. To... Tarver's gone. Otunga is Otunga's at home, I guess. Where he is. Yeah. Darren got hurt, but he was kind of floating. But yeah. you see, and that was only two, three years ago, yeah. four years ago. Things right? how, and just, you, you you have to understand what you have. Yeah. That's why I go as hard as I do, and it's, right. you never know how long this is going to last for. And Which is exactly what happened. But I also specifically remember we went to Hawaii. Yeah. This is right after. There was that huge pay-per-view yep. in, uh, or maybe it was before, was it after SummerSlam? It was after SummerSlam. After SummerSlam, yeah. right after. Yeah. Yeah, we went to Hawaii, and watching the match that you had, you took a backdrop or landed Tyson weird. Tyson Kidd gave me a drop kick. Uh, it was me and Otunga versus the Hart Dynasty. And uh, we had the hot tag, and I came in and took a drop kick. And uh, my ankle, literally, I had my boots were made too narrow. Mm-hmm. I just got brand-new boots, and my feet were wobbling on them. But I was like, oh, I'll be fine. It's, uh and for whatever reason, my foot was wobbling when I got drop kicked. Completely ripped out in three places. Oof. Tyson, I pop up and took, we did the entire comeback, which was a minute or minute, 15 seconds, something like that. Tyson had no idea. My foot is dangling as we're doing this. Were you hopping on I'm, one I'm foot? Lib- no, I was running on it. I spiral broke my leg all the way up to my knee by running on a broken ankle. Oh, my gosh. And my foot was like wobbling so unstable and I was trying to not put all the pressure on it and I finally he rolled me up at one thing and I was like my ankle's broken and he goes what and we just kept going and I finally he jumped on a springboard off the top meat hook clothesline one two three and I just rolled over and I was I just remember being in the trainer's room after that I remember you popping in Mm -hmm. and people popping in and I was terrified to take my boot off and they instantly took my boot off. They put me in the ambulance, and they rushed me to the hospital. They, they gave me uh, whatever drugs to knock me out, and they put my ankle back in place, wrapped it all up, flew me back uh, to Tampa, and my th- ankle and leg swelled up so bad from the flight. Yeah. I mean, that's like a nine-hour flight. I had to sit in my bedroom for a month. Uh, they couldn't even operate on me. Because uh, it was so swollen? So swollen. and Because uh, usually they'd fly you to Birmingham, Alabama for that. They had to yeah. leave me in Tampa to do the surgery. I ended up, uh, I lost about 40 pounds because my parents wanted to come down and stay with me. And I, this was one of those one of those weird moments. I actually was reading uh, The Power at the time, which is the second book after The Secret. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this was meant to happen to me. And I just took it as a positive. And uh, I told my parents, no, I want to go through this alone. I want this is going to make wow. me tougher. So I literally, I laid in bed for a month get up i'd have like one of those little monster milks or something mm-hmm. a couple of those a day <laughs> i lost 40 pounds before even the surgery from just laying in bed not being able to, not being able to train and eat and yeah. i eat a lot of food and uh I, uh they do the surgery and uh and uh the med the, the doctor uh he put metal through my nerves and i lost all function of my leg 
they did a bunch of nerve damage. Wow. It was just a freak accident, and which nobody – it was a broken ankle and leg, which is about probably looking at three to five months. If yeah, 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 yeah. My, after three months, my bones were all healed. Uh, but I couldn't – I had all these electrical shocks, and it, this was a, a horrific story and a hor- horrific experience. Uh, me not being able to sleep for months after surgery, like just because the steel plate was through your nerves, through my nerves, and no my one knew it. And superficial nerves, and nobody knew it. But oh I kept saying that like, something's not right. I, this is the doctor. No, this is normal. This is normal. Uh, we do a second surgery. Nothing. A year later, I'm at WrestleMania in Atlanta, meeting with all the doctors. I'm still not able to walk, and it, it, that was the most. I remember. I remember Stone Cold and The Rock being there, and I remember I didn't want to introduce myself to anybody because I was embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I was out for a year, like, yeah, yeah, oh, how you doing? Wrong how with you doing? Yeah. yeah, like, and it's like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just, I yeah. know I can be right, but so I said to him, I go, please take the metal out of my leg. And uh, three doctors told me I would never wrestle again, that I was done. They took the metal out of my leg. The doctor in Birmingham that did it, he goes, I cannot promise you anything, but this will give you the best chance at uh, coming back. At that point, I was into full-blown meditation on just trying to get my mind as strong as possible, telling myself I'm going to overcome this. They took the metal out. I woke up from surgery, and I just mentally knew I was going to be okay. Mm. Uh, I still to this day don't have function of my big toe. It won't go up because they say it could take years for your nerves mm, to grow right, back. And, right, right, But uh, I was back, I think, like three or four months after that. WWE wow. gave me the opportunity to come back, and I said, just put me on the road. Let me work this out because at the time there was talk of putting me back in developmental maybe. And uh, I just said, please just put me on the road. I need to be in there with guys I can, I can trust. Mm-hmm. And uh, let, me, let me work through this, please. And they gave me the opportunity. And, and then, you know, Ryback was born. You know who's living large at my house? My three cats, Mr. Mittens, Indy, and Snickers. And you know why? Because we switched them to Pretty Litter. Okay, so it's really me and my wife and my daughters who are living large, thanks to Pretty Litter. Because Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly, so no more bad cat smells in the bathroom. Pretty Litter crystals last up to a month, so less cat litter box cleaning for all of us. And less fighting about whose turn it is to clean the litter box. I gotta deal with this fight every single week between my daughters. This makes it so much easier. Pretty Litter also ships right to our front door, so no more last-minute mad scramble runs to the store because we're out of kitty litter. And Pretty Litter has another cool feature that makes life just a little easier. It helps us keep tabs on our cat's health. It changes colors so you can monitor early signs of potential illnesses like urinary tract infections and kidney issues. It's easily the best thing we've done for ourselves and our cats in a very long time. Like I said, Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. Those are two big wins in my house, meow. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. So go to prettylitter.com slash Jericho and use code Jericho to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash Jericho. Code Jericho to save 20%. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Talk is Jericho. Backstage here at the famous Joe Louis Arena, and I'm with the big guy Ryback. Now, what exactly was uh, was this something you were thinking about? I mean, obviously being home for a year plus, just talking to you right now, yeah. and I know we've spoken about this before when we worked last year, whenever it was that it was probably driving you a little bit crazy. Yeah, what, were you just thinking of? Ideas and characters yeah, well, and angles. What the, it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. One, it got rid of the whole other persona, first of all, and allowed me to Good come point. back as myself. Uh, two, I ordered on every WWE DVD. <laughs> I would sit and watch because all I could do was rehab, train, and watch matches. 
I would literally I, – it changed the way that I watched matches. I would sit there and just watch and pause and what would I do in this situation? And I started taking notes. And I have notes in my phone. I have my playbook because mm-hmm. we, we wrestle every night, five nights a week. And you don't want to do the same things over and over again. And I have everything broken up into different categories. And it taught me to, to study differently because I had the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was – I can't – I literally have every – WWE DVD and along with all the a lot of independent stuff and so you were watching everything yeah and to this day I still go home I have the I go home I build a gym at my house I got which you're on my wall of uh, top uh, WWE guys that I inspired oh uh, nice which uh, I'll have to show you Thank some you. pictures of it uh, I go home I train I watch matches and try to get ready for the week ahead because every week I try to better myself mm-hmm. and I feel like that's the mindset I you have to have here to succeed with the talent it is we have. absolutely otherwise you get left behind that's right but it's. Uh, yeah, I went through all that, and that's where I kind of got into realize like I can't physically do this. I have to mentally do it in my head. Mm-hmm. So I would watch these matches and just do it in my head, and you'd see a spot or something. I was like, okay, I can do that, but what would I do? And then so and that helped me tremendously. And and what exactly was, is the mindset behind Ryback? You mentioned it was like a Terminator. Yeah, character. no, I was sitting. There's a funny story. I'm I'm sitting in living with a, a good friend of mine, Pat Buck. Uh, in our little uh, two-bedroom apartment uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, <laughs> uh, in which uh, we'd always watch the, the before the WWE Network, they had the WWE the channel, yeah, like uh, the the subscription yeah, service, or whatever, in which yeah. we had that, and, uh, and every night it was a big bottle of Burnett's vodka and twenty-four-seven uh, classic, right? Yes, yeah, <laughs> drinking the vodka, <laughs> the drinking the vodka at that point, which was uh, standard, and uh, <laughs> um, ter- we would, always would watch wrestling. But one night, I think he was gone and. Uh, Terminator 2 is on TV and I've seen it a million times but <laughs> yeah. of course I'm watching it again it's on TV <laughs> and I'm, I'm you know I've been drinking quite a bit and the, the bottle has probably gone at that point and uh, Arnold and I just sat there I'm a machine I'm like Arnold I'm a Terminator <laughs> and I just sit there because my name I, as a kid my friends called me Silverback because uh-huh. uh, they always said I look like a little gorilla <laughs> and, uh, and so that was my, my first name in wrestling and developmental and I uh Oh, that was you? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I yeah. remember reading Silverback. Mark yeah. Henry actually ran with it for a year yeah, after I got released. I assumed released. Silverback would be like the black guy. At that time, Mark Mike Henry Bucci was. actually called me to get my approval after I'd been fired. Oh. <laughs> oh, was it cool if we let Mark Henry use your wrestling character? And I just, I'm not going to talk to these guys. He yeah. just fired me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I look on TV and he's doing all my promos and I'm like, oh man, that sucks. Yeah. I guess. But uh, so, was, and Silverback was out of the, the question there at that point now. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, Ryan Silverback, I'm Ryback. And it just it happened right then and there. And then in my head, I was like, I've always had this intensity about me. And I, I set a goal and I attack it. Mm-hmm. And at the point, I lost track for a few years. And after reading The Secret and all that, like, I was back on track. And, and that's just how I am. I set a mission and that's my objective and I go for it. So that was the whole inspiration behind the, the Ryback character. Mm-hmm. Which still to this day is not Terminator-based, but that's how like, my mindset. Which is the way you think yeah. you're in the ring. Which took off... Really, really big. I mean, I, I, in my mind, because I, I was gone at the time, but always following what's going on. It was, it, and like I said, it might have been a year, but in my mind, it was just a few months after Ryback came on the scene yeah. that suddenly Feed Me More was like the most chanted thing yeah. in all the arenas. Yep. You know, it was very quick. It was, I, I came in and I remember, and it's, I told them, I said, just because uh, they were talking about doing vignettes or something like that. I go, no, put me on TV. I don't care with who, just let me go out every week. I will get over. Mm-hmm. I told them that straight up because they had all these ideas. They go, no, I don't just put me in the ring and let me give me an opportunity. And uh, so they gave me these locals. And I saw the size of, size of these guys. And I was like, oh, man, like these guys are really tiny. Like this is going to. 
That's right. Like, what am I going to do? Like, this is, can get old really quick. <laughs> yeah. So I'm always trying to think and be creative. And uh, I was like, man, I just got to murder these guys <laughs> and uh, come up with interesting ways of doing it and throwing them around like a car wreck every week. And I think it was after a week two or three, there was this kid, Benny Kamer was his name. <laughs> they had all the legends watching on the TV in the back. And the, the match was bell rings, meat hook, clothesline, pick them up off the ground right into shell shock. And after the end of the match, I – I don't know where it came from. I just looked at the hard cam because these guys were so tiny. Mm -hmm. And I said, feed me more. And it just, I wanted more. And Vince, Road Dog pulled me aside. He goes, man, that feed me more. Vince, Vince really liked that. I go, really? He goes, where'd it come from? I go, I don't know. It's just how I felt. (laughs) And it's funny how, like, I'd always try to think of catchphrases before. And then this one came naturally. And it, it it's just how I live my life though. I always, more's never enough. I say, yeah, I want more. And it, it, that's why I think it works because I think every human being, we all want more no matter what. That's why I think it's so easy to chant. Well, understand. I think, too, is that the best characters are always the, the real person turned up to 12. I always say that. I agree, like, well, yeah. How can I get a character in wrestling? You know, younger guys will say, and it's like, what is your – who are you? Yeah. Who are you? It's always you just turned up. And like you said, the feed me more is your, is your attitude yeah. in life. And, and I laugh, too, because I sat at home writing down catchphrases. I remember one that I wrote yeah. down was ra- razzle-dazzle. Yeah. This one's going to be over huge. Razzle-dazzle. And you say it once or twice, and no one cares. And then I go out there and do that stutter never, ever thing. And, and people still yeah. love it to this day. You just never know what's going to get it, over. Whatever. And it catches on. And it's just you can't force this, I've learned over the Yeah, years. you can. We try to sometimes, and, and through developmental and you're taught to try to come up with stuff. Yeah. And, but it, the, the, the people aren't stupid. Yeah. Like they, it's, you can't force feed something. It has yeah. to be organic. And then they'll let you know. And even and that's what I was saying, the organic of Feed Me More and Ryback. I mean, got over really huge. I remember calling in, uh, there, there's a radio show called Busted Open. It's a great group of guys. I'm they sure always you, talk well about me, so thank you guys. They, yeah, they're good guys. Yeah. But I, I remember calling in one time, time, I said, listen, I was you know driving, and I said, I'm going to call in. And I was like, dude, if they put the, the title on Ryback right now, yeah. they got a guy. You know, I had it all in my head. They could book it. Take, Ryback yeah. wins the title. Then he goes and beats Taker. Then, he, like, I had it because you yeah. were at that level where it was really, really, really yeah. popular. People tend to, that's, uh, everything happens for a reason. And, uh, you know, looking back soon? at that period, it was, I, like, I'm, I'm grateful for everything I've gone through here because mm-hmm. it's pushed. And I, you can give me $20 million and, and all the championships in the world. I'm not going to change who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work harder than every day just because that's who I am. Of course. Uh, you have, perf- you have but pride. When, uh, I got put pride. in positions that weren't for me. Uh, mm. and, you know, Cena went down with an injury. Right. We needed a main event guy. Well, let's see if he can handle it. Uh, and I went out there and I proved that I could. But it, people, our fans tend to be... Just look at things very, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it was never for me. And I got put in positions to see if I could hang. And I did. And, it, right, and yeah. the, I stayed very popular for quite a while until we decided to go the other way. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, some things have happened. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful for everything, even though I don't necessarily understand all of them. I don't agree with every decision that's made here. And it, but it's not my company. Well, the thing is, too, you're talking to a guy who understands. Because in yeah. 2000, I wasn't doing anything. Nothing. Yeah. And then suddenly one day I show up. Much like the NXT thing, except for I was going to go to Vince's office and say, I'm, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm quitting. You know, that sucks. And they go, well, you might not want to go in his office. Why? There's nothing you can tell me because you're winning the title. And I, yeah. what? I beat Hunter for the title. People go nuts. 15 minutes later, I have to give it up. Yeah. Right? So it's like, well, why, why would I give this up? People loved it. But it was to see how I reacted. Yeah. How does a crowd react? Can he do this? So now they know, okay, we've got this, this ace in the hole. Yeah. Put him over here. Yep. And when the time is right. 
put them back in the game. It's the exact same yeah. thing that happened. You have you. to look at the big picture. And it had a, my goal to be was to be here for a year or two. Then absolutely, that was horrible. And, oh, yeah. But my, and they know I, I, I want to. I'm a lifer. Like I want to be sure. here as long as I, I love this and right. I have a passion for this, and I'm obsessed with it. I always say, well, and, absolutely. So I'm looking at. I'm just trying to improve every week and. Uh, you want them to know your worth, though, and uh, it's just for the amount I know how hard I work at this and, and everything that I've done, and I firmly believe there's no one here that works as hard as mm-hmm. me, and I'm very confident in mm-hmm. that. Uh, whether the fans agree with that or not, I know the effort that I'm putting into this, and I've stayed single, and I built this empire at home, and I have like my own <laughs> gym, and I have my, my tape study room, and like each and every show I treat as the most important show of my career because I just want I want to go out there. I want the respect of all the other wrestlers and the respect of the fans. And, and I want at the end of the day to know, like I say, start full and end empty. Go out there and spend yourself each and every night right. and leave it all in the ring. And it's, uh, it's just I, I have an obsession for this. So it's just and it takes time. You know, well, stars does. aren't born overnight. Well, and that's the thing. And, and, and you're definitely making, you know, doing the right things. You can see the fact you keep getting, you know, keep getting put back in the game, which I told you the whole time. Yeah, when we worked. You did. Because it was funny when I came back for WrestleMania 29, the original plan was for United Work. That's yeah. why I was like, I want to work with Ryback. Yeah. And then Vince changed his mind and went with, with the Fandango thing. But, I mean, then the reason why is because I was really impressed with the work that you Thank did you. when you were in these main events working with, with Punk because yeah. he's who you're in there with. Now, how did you feel, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago when Punk went on the, the podcast and said all the things that he said? And there was a lot of comments directed at you. Yeah. Um, having worked with you, I, I, I've never seen those type of things. So, I mean, how did you how did you hear about this and how did you feel about it? Yeah, no, I said, well, Twitter timeline started blowing up. And <laughs> yes, then my, of course. my good friend Pat Buck called me and he's like, he was listening to it and he was like, oh, man, he's not saying uh, nice things about it. And I was like, uh, and I went and I heard part of it. It's... Uh, you know, Punk, he was always good to me when he was here, and mm-hmm. uh, I felt I was good to him. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things, he was never like that to my face, and uh, I always thought we had good matches for the most part, and, and on the live events, and to leave and to say the things that he said, it's like, I don't take, I try not to take anything personal anymore. Right. And, and so whatever he's going through, if he feels the need to say that, it's, I can tell you it's not true. Right, because I, it was it was that, is that you were dangerous, yeah. uh, you took 20 years off his career. Yeah, and if, if I was truly that dangerous and, and, and this and that, I would not be here. Mm-hmm. The WWE You're would right. not have me in the ring with guys like you, John Cena, and, and anybody else, Dolph Ziggler, Dan O'Brien, and mm-hmm. Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, like so. It's one of those things. It's like, come on, man. Like, mm-hmm. Why I don't understand if it's a personal thing with me. I don't know. But like, mm-hmm. I have no ill feelings towards the guy. I wish him the best. And like, I just saw an interview with him on uh, Fox Sports. I think one of those, and uh, talking about his uh, UFC career, where mm-hmm. he said he's like, "There's a good chance I'm going to fall flat on my face." And like, I respect the fact that he's trying something new, whether for his own personal reasons. And like, the guy was always told his whole career that he wasn't going to amount to anything and this and that and he obviously has a very strong mindset and he was able to achieve a lot here in the wwe i say let be thankful for all that you have and Mm -hmm. there's good and bad with any job and and we all you you can choose to focus on whatever you want to choose on but like i was telling you earlier he was supposedly injured this and that and like we take pride he could have taken time off at any point like as wrestlers we take pride showing up each and every night and going out there and doing our job and getting on the road and making the next town and making every show like and like he took pride in that and i know he did mm-hmm. so like to sit there and then to, to point fingers at this and that I, I don't understand that mindset and and i don't know what's going on through his head but uh like i said i'm not going to take it personal and like everybody here in the wwe knows the real ryback and mm-hmm. and it's like 
when guys come up to me and like, don't worry about that. We know, you know, we all know that's not true. Right, like to say you're careless to drop him on the table. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, like that's one thing on actually the the gorilla press off the end of the table deal where we miss part of the table mm-hmm. and like like that whole situation. The what really happened was that was when it happened. I went to the back. I felt horrible about that, mm-hmm. and it was one of those things. It was there wasn't a lot of room, and the, we were angled wrong, and and it happened. And it, we all know things go wrong sometimes, and uh, I apologized to him in the back. And he goes, don't worry, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, and that was that. Mm-hmm. And so to to make up the little scenario of... That you were dumb as yeah, F. And, and to try to like... it's That never would happen. It never did happen. Mm-hmm. So uh, it why he said that, I don't know. But uh, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of those things. That you, you hear certain things sometimes go, huh? I, I remember, I mean, superstar Billy Graham went off on me a, a year ago scathing promos and he's going to dance on my grave and he's going to crush my head in hell and, <laughs> and you wonder sometimes like what you know i don't never really heard that before but yeah i mean like i said from 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 knowing from when we worked together we worked together for a month two months whatever yeah. a few, quite a few times yeah. house shows we had table matches in uh yeah, Canada, Lake city yep. calgary wherever and it was always fun so i mean i mean you're a big guy so some things are, are strong yeah but that's this, that's wrestling. Yeah. That happens. We go out there like I always take you, know, you look a certain way. You, you can't throw. Well, yeah. Fluff, but at the same time, like I've always taken pride and like, uh, like I say, with great power comes great responsibility in the <laughs> ring. Like you really do have to. Sure you do. It's, there's a lot of impact with some things, but you want to make sure it's as, as safe as possible. And uh, there's never been any other incident with any other people. So, mm. uh, you know, I wish him the best. So yeah, I, I yeah. hope he does well. And and it's one of those things. Like maybe he re- he'll regret what he said. Maybe he won't. But he's always spoken his opinion, and uh, it's fine. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go that route though. Well, I mean, like you said, I mean, for what I can say, I mean, I I like working with you because, like like you said, you being the way you look, I'm I'm a smaller guy, so I have to work strong. Especially, yeah. it's like I love working with Big Show because he beats the crap out of me, but I beat the crap out yeah. of him because you have to, or else it just looks stupid. I love getting hit in the ring. I don't know. It wakes me, me too. up. I remember, I'm one of, it might have been the money in the bank. You whacked me, and I <laughs> literally I was like I was like hell yeah. That's like that's what it's about going out there, and, and it was safe. It was fine. Yeah. It's like, but it, that intensity comes across, and it, it's people believable. can see that. Yeah. You know, that's that energy. So I mean, I always say, like, don't break my nose or knock out my teeth. Yeah. Other than that, hit me. Yeah. Hit me, man. Yep. It's all right. It, it's OK. I remember telling uh, who was I telling that to Big E uh, guys of that size, like oh, Harper and, and Ro- yeah. uh, uh, Rowan. Yep. When I worked them this summer, it's like you guys got to come in and nail me. Yeah, because you will not be here long if you don't. Like, it's, it's, you're too big not yeah. to. It looks stupid. You People know, won't buy it. That's right. Exactly. I remember they actually did media a couple weeks ago, though, but it, it was uh you were one of the few guys like it was really cool for me to get to wrestle with mm-hmm. growing up watching you. No, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, but they were because they were asking me like, I was so, I can't remember the exact question, but it was like you exceeded all expectations for me. Like as far as just you're a good guy. Mm, like cool. you, you're, uh, you've given me good advice and like, but you'll be honest too. And if something sucks, you'll like that sucks, and but you'll tell me why it sucks. Uh, whereas I haven't had that with every other person necessarily, but you were always like. You were just straight up with me. I always appreciated that because that just popped in my head because two weeks ago they were asking me about it. And it was uh-huh. like, Chris Jericho. I was like, he exceeded <laughs> all expectations when, when uh, we had our little programs. So. Well, the, there, there is a veil of secrecy sometimes in the, in, in, the, in the industry. And I decided years ago, I think four years ago when I started coming back and, and kind of being coming back and forth. Why am I not going to tell? I, I wish people sometimes would have yeah. told me the real story. Yep. Because how am I supposed to get better? Yeah. You know, and not everything is always great. I remember WCW being the backstage area. Hey, did you see the match? Oh, yeah. How'd you like it? Oh, it was great. Everything? Yeah. Oh, it was all great. Yep. Well, like, <laughs> okay, that means you didn't see it. Yeah. 
Or you just don't care because yep. nothing is ever great. Yeah. This was good. This was good. And it's important to say the good, but this needs to be better because yeah. it's not cutting it. Yeah. It's not an insult. It's like, wow, I better work on yeah. this. You and know? And by doing that, everybody wins. The fans win. We win. It just makes for a better product. Yeah, overall. sure. Absolutely, man. A, a, couple, a couple questions, final questions. I noticed this is just a personal thing. You always wear really baggy clothes. I do. You're one of the biggest guys <laughs> I know. Yeah. And you never, like, I'm wearing an extra small shirt. You, I used to go that route, actually. <laughs> you but, never, yeah, you never, you don't ever I, uh, I used to wear the tighter clothes, and then, uh, especially now when I go out, I, I get recognized and stuff. You know, it's but it's it helps a little bit wearing baggier clothes. Yeah. Uh, the bald head doesn't necessarily help as right. far as. But before even you know before WWE, yeah, people would stare at you if you wear a tight shirt or that's like, right. Yeah. And I always I just I don't care to have the attention when you know <laughs> outside of this. And uh, I found that baggy clothes. Uh, Bo Dallas actually told it best when I got. To, uh, Resigned to developmental and FCW. I came in wearing baggy clothes, and he didn't have no idea who I was. He was like, "I couldn't tell if you were if you were like a really fat guy with jacked forms or like a really jacked guy." He goes, "Then you you did the match. You took your shirt off, and I was like, oh yeah, you really jacked." <laughs> yeah. He's just showing off yeah. his forearms. It's one of the funniest stories of this day. To me. Like, he just thought I had big forearms. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, so that story always cracks me up. So you mentioned bodybuilding, bodybuilders before, and how uh, Schwarzenegger was always your hero. Now. This is such a sad slash super hilarious story, but you got to tell it. So you had the chance because Arnold was here just a couple months ago to promote. uh, It wasn't the. uh, It was in Brooklyn. I remember. Yeah, one one of the movies he had recently, where it was a Commando or something like that. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. So we're backstage, and he's the one. Like I've never, like I've never asked for an autograph from anybody or anything like that. Because we see a lot of big stars walking around, and I've never really. I just it's people are people to me, and it's. Uh, but he's always been someone who's uh, very inspirational, and I was man, I, you know, I'd like to shake his hand at least and say hi if the opportunity comes up. I'm not going to force it. So I'm in my gear, I'm all pumped up, and and you're in your gear, so you got uh, your yeah, muscles are yeah, hanging out, I'm, no baggy I'm clothes. I'm the big guy, full blown right now. <laughs> I come walking around the corner, all taped up, ready to go, literally face to face with the man Arnold. And he has his whole entourage behind him. He's leading the pack. He just happened to walk around the corner the same time as you. Yeah, couldn't have been more. And he stopped, and he like. He's like, oh, hey, and I go, hey, Arnold, and we, we shake hands, and he's getting ready to tell me something. Like, we we're going to talk. He no, pause time. He's like, he's looking at you. Yeah, he looks me up and down, and he like, has that smile on his face. And I'm like, oh, he's impressed with my physique. <laughs> which, <laughs> so uh, this is the moment I've been waiting for. Like, he's like, oh, you're the big guy, whatever he's going to say, or, oh, you're the new Terminator, <laughs> which has always been a goal if he's listening. Uh, he, uh, and then out of nowhere, our, our former ring announcer, Justin Roberts, comes in like a hawk with his camera for a selfie with Arnold in which he cuts in front of me, grabs Arnold around the shoulder, doesn't even ask, takes the picture, and I love Justin. But it was Arnold's entourage just like swarmed and like they literally got him out of there. I'm standing there like, what the hell just happened? And I never saw him after that again. (laughs) He stayed and took photos with the guys after, but I wasn't going to – I've never like the moment was over. The moment was over, and Arnold, if you're listening, I I don't know what you're going to say, but I'm sure it was going to be good. He was going to be. I want you to be the new villain in the next Terminator movie. That was what was going to. You have a bigger chest than I do. You look great. Those arms, those pecs, (laughs) right back. You're the ultimate man. (laughs) Did you say anything to Justin ever? Like what? I've talked to him after, and he he feels horrible about it. But it was (laughs) the what am I getting? The moment's gone. Oh yeah. And that Justin likes getting his pictures in and posting them on his Facebook and all that. So (laughs) I hope it. It was worth it, Justin. <laughs> when Arnold, Arnold came to Baltimore way back when End of Days came out, and uh, he was the guest host on Raw, 
And uh, he was same thing. I was like, I gotta get. A, I'm the opposite of you. I have to get a picture. I'll yeah. do. I'm like a Justin, although yep. I wouldn't have interrupted you. So I knock on his door and I go in his dressing room. And he's sitting there with three or four guys. He's just like staring at me. Now he's not rude, yeah. but he's like, "Who the hell is this idiot?" And I was like, "Hey, uh, Arnold, are you, are you having fun today? Absolutely. Are you ready to have a good show? Absolutely. Uh, did you have a good time in Baltimore? Absolutely. Have any problems getting here? Absolutely. Can I take a picture with you? Absolutely. That's all he said. Yeah. Was absolutely like very. And I was like, "Get it on. Get it over with. I got my picture." Yeah. Yeah. But afterwards, I was like, that was a pretty asshole thing to do. But it's Schwarzenegger, so yeah. it's okay. How many opportunities are you really going to have? Yeah. Someone like that is truly an but icon. I did see him again, though, in, in the Staples Center. He was with <coughs> his son, Patrick. And then at that time, he was like, hey, Chris, how are you? So I was like, ah, it worked. <laughs> he remembered. He remembered, yes. yeah, man. So well, hopefully someday. Hopefully he remembers the big chance, guy Ryback. The big guy yeah. Ryback. Uh, last question. What uh, If you had to choose your favorite match that you've ever had, which one stands out for you? Ooh. Or a few of them. Favorite match. Uh, there's... Two moments uh, off the top of my head. The first uh, Hell in the Cell of CM Punk mm-hmm. was my first main event, and uh, it, well, it was a lot. It was a high pressure situation, and, and the, the company was putting their trust in me to go out there and to close the show with Punk as Cena's replacement. Basically, Cena, right? Cena yeah. taking Cena's spot, which was a very it was that doesn't get yeah doesn't given anybody that lightly. doesn't happen, and yeah. Cena doesn't go down all that often. Right. You know, he's a machine, and um, that Hunter actually came up to me. In Gorilla, because I was I was focused, I was ready to go, but uh, he was like, "Just stay calm, man." He goes, "Just you got this. You're ready. Mm-hmm. You deserve this." And like I could just see the look in his eyes, the confidence even made me more confident. Right. And I did. I do got this. I'm right back. Mm-hmm. And it was so for me to go out there and end the show on the top of the steel cage in front of all the thousands of fans and and doing feed me more in my first main event, even though uh, you know I I didn't win the match, it was. It was just a moment I'll never forget, and mm. it let me know that I belong here. And then uh, I'll say this: when I came back here just a couple months ago uh, in San Antonio, and uh, I came out, and the crowd gave me the reception that they did. And like they, I did an interview in the back on the backstage app that I wished aired on Raw because it was probably my best promo I feel I've ever done, and it was real. Mm. Like it was just, uh, it was a feeling I can't describe that like. The fans aren't stupid, and like after in the year that I've had, it wasn't easy. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love Curtis Axel, and it was a great experience and a lot of fun. Doing and the tag team, doing the yeah. tag team, and uh, uh, and it was it was that time was very valuable for me to to look at myself in the <laughs> mirror and, and all that. And but to come back and have the opportunity after being out and that injury, and I uh, came back a little early with that, and and for that crowd to react the way they did, it kind of set the tone, and, and they embraced me again. Mm-hmm. And it was like thank you because like it. it it just gave me that confidence because when you get used one way, then you know other things happen. It's hard to sometimes stay confident uh, that you're gonna get back. Yeah, on track. and I always believed that I was gonna, but it was kind of surreal when it did. Mm-hmm. I honestly it took it honestly took a good month to set in for me that oh man, I'm back. Yeah, like so. Um, thank you, San Antonio, again for that, and, and for every crowd after that. And uh, that was a moment I'll never forget coming back, and and it felt like uh, just being got to be myself again. So. That's cool. great, man. Well, your intense dude and feed me more is back, baby. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you very much, Chris. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
Thanks so much to Ryback. Uh, what a cool guy. He's such a positive guy. Very goal-oriented. Very driven. I've always uh, enjoyed uh, talking with him. Very serious guy. But also uh, good in the ring as well. I never had any issues or any problems working with Ryback. I would work with him anytime we did table matches in Calgary and Edmonton. Tore the house down. Good, good times with Ryback. And good, good times with all of you. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for schwazen Talk is Jericho. I know there's hundreds of thousands of of, of shows that you could that you could schwaz and your schwaz is mine. If you're wondering why I say schwaz, because it's fun. I know it's supposed to be choose, but I like saying schwaz. So deal with it. Just like page, just like delicioso. And listen, if you're trying to finish up some holiday shopping, listen, you know where you got to go. Say it with me now, Amazon. You use my links through Talk is Jericho. You go to Podcast One. You click on the Podcast Free banner at the top of the page. Podcast One. You click on the Keep a Podcast Free banner at the top of the page. Podcast One. You click on the Keep a Podcast Free banner at the top of the page. And then you click on Talk is Jericho. You see all three of my Amazon links, Amazon UK, Amazon USA, and Amazon Canada A. And I bet there's someone on your gift-giving list who would love to have a copy of the new Fozzie record, Do You Want to Start a War? Or someone who wants a copy of the new book, Chris Jericho book, Best in the World at What I Have No Idea. Shameless shilling. I don't care. It's my show, but it doesn't matter. Whatever you want to buy, you can do it through my Amazon links and Amazon will kick back a little cash to the show so we can keep doing this for you for free for twice a week. No extra fees, no extra no hidden charges. You're just getting your shopping done and you're helping me out in the process. Easiest way to support the show. Easiest way to support me. Don't forget, guys, the uh, Cinderblock Party Tour continues overseas in March. Belfast, Cork, Dublin, Nottingham, Wolverhampton, Manchester, Glasgow, London, Bristol, Exeter, Southampton, Brighton, Paris, Bretagne, Munich, Mannheim, Bochum. Go to FozzyRock.com for all ticket information, all VIP information, and the Y2J WWE Winter Tour starts January 10th. Montgomery, Mobile, St. Louis, Las Vegas, Houston, Trenton, East Rutherford, Edmonton, Calgary, Jacksonville, Canton, Tampa, Fort Myers, Madison Square Garden, Toronto, Buffalo. I will be in all those cities. I'm looking forward to seeing all of you. I'm also looking forward to next show. Next week, I got D. Snyder from Twisted Sister. He's talking about his Broadway musical that I went and saw in Chicago. D. Snyder's Rock and Roll Christmas. He's one of my favorite people to interview. He's got a great, great show. Um, very, very cool. All about Christmas time. It's kind of like a, uh, a rock and roll Christmas tale. Kind of like if uh, Rock of Ages was about Christmas. So we'll talk all about that. All about Twisted Sister. All about being down and out and making your way back up to the top. Plus, we'll interview another special guest who's going to be very busy on Christmas Eve this year. So check all that out next Wednesday. But in the meantime, and in between time, that's another edition of Talk is Jericho. Stay hard. Stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. We'll see you next week for D. Snyder with a big yeah boy. We love you. Let me tell you something, people. You have made us feel awesome tonight. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcast1.com. 